0: Majority of my job is I'm in front of a camera. Um, So my face is shown, my voice can be heard, um, and my fans know me very well. So if I seem a little bit off, if I'm having a bad day, they will call me out on it and they'll be like, are you okay?
1: That was Christina talking about the support she gets from her fans when she's struggling with her anxiety and depression. I found Christina while searching YouTube for the video for one of my favorite songs. The second hit was Christina's channel. She's a professional drummer, And at 23 years old, she's built quite a following of more than three-quarters of a million subscribers. And her most popular video has been watched more than 10 million times. These are remarkable achievements. Even more remarkable when you consider periods of anxiety as a teenager left her housebound. In this episode of Silent Superheroes, you'll hear about Christina's on-again and off-again relationship with treatment, how anxiety and depression mix with a life lived on camera and social media, what she does to manage her conditions, and she'll share her practical advice for getting through those more difficult times. Remember, Christina and I are just two people talking about our personal experience living with and managing a mental illness. If you're considering changing something in your treatment plan, please consult with a trained medical professional. My name's James Pratt. I'm the host of Silent Superheroes, and I'm really glad that you're here.
2: Welcome to the Silent Superheroes Podcast, a series of frank conversations about mental health at work.
1: Welcome to Silent Superheroes. I'm here with today's guest, Christina. Christina, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So let's start by getting to know know you. Who are you? What do you do?
0: So my name is Christina Sciano. I'm 23 years old from Brooklyn, New York, and I'm a professional drummer on YouTube uh, mostly. And I also do some session work for artists. And on the side, I own a music school. So I kind of do everything.
1: That's cool. I didn't know about the music school.
0: It's kind of a secret, but secret's (laughs) out now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, And I found you because uh, one of the things you do is drum covers. Mm-hmm. And you happen to do a cover of, I think probably my f- my favorite song, "Welcome to the Black Parade" by My Chemical Romance.
0: It's such a jam.
1: It's such a, it's the song of a like a generation. I think
0: it really like, is. Honestly,
1: you um, have a, a mental illness that you work with that you've talked a little bit about. Why don't you tell us uh, what that is?
0: Uh, sure. So for the past ten years, I've been suffering with anxiety and depression. It's an everyday struggle, but got to get the job done.
1: So you said 10 years, you're 23. So since you were kind of in your early teens, yes. how did you find out that you were living with anxiety and depression?
0: It kind of just came out of nowhere. From what I remember, I started having some health issues um, back then, and then there was a death in the family. And then all of a sudden, I just started having panic attacks on the regular. Um, I just kind of stopped going to school. And... That's just when we figured it out. We're just like, okay, this is a part of your life now. Let's try to work past it.
1: What was your journey from there?
0: I ended up graduating. And then high school was the first time I would ever get to a new school because I was always in the same place since kindergarten. So I think the anxiety around that was normal. But also the way I was reacting to it wasn't, you know, just not leaving the house. I got into playing like, I remember specifically, I would play this one poker game online just for hours like i would just stay in my room not talk to anyone and just play this one poker game i don't know why um i did that for a while and one thing that <laughs> my parents did to kind of push me to really get back into school was i wanted a dog and <laughs> they said if i did not skip one day of school from the start to like december which would be 3 months which is a big deal um they said i could get a dog and that was enough of a push for me to really be like, whatever I'm dealing with right now, I, I need to get to school though. Like deal with it there, I'm going. So sometimes I just need a little extra motivation and now I have a dog.
1: What's your dog called, if you don't mind saying?
0: Her, her name is Abby. She's a little Shih Tzu. She's adorable. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that kind of snapped me out of it for a while and I was I was pretty good because then I joined the softball team. I was pretty busy all the time. so. At least for me, when I'm busy and I'm occupied, that's when things are going pretty well. Throughout high school, it, it actually went pretty well for me.
1: And then at some point on uh, on this timeline, you started your YouTube channel.
0: I think I actually posted my first video when I was around 13 or 14. Yeah, really young, but I wasn't doing it for anything. I, I have family that lives overseas. So I'm like, you know what? Let me show them I play an instrument. And then throughout high school, I maybe post one or two videos a year. Like, wasn't taking it seriously. It wasn't until... I hit college where I was like, okay, let me actually give this a shot.
1: So you got through high school, then you went off to to college. What did you study?
0: I studied marketing and music tech.
1: Okay, which is a great combination given what you now do.
0: Exactly, yeah, it works out (laughs) perfectly.
1: (laughs) How did the anxiety show up um, as you were going through college?
0: So um, it kind of went in waves. I mean, one thing I would describe anxiety with, is it's always in waves. It's always there, but then every now and then you'll get hit with like a hundred foot wave and just comes crashing down and then it settles down and it happens again. Um, So I was actually pretty good most of college. And then just randomly, I would just be like, oh my God, I can't sit in this class right now. Like I can't sit in the classroom. So that's actually when I went back to therapy again. So this is a bunch of years later, went back to therapy Helped a bunch because then I was able to actually sit through a class and not skip a million classes a week because obviously I wanted to graduate. So I had to go to class. But I think actually getting more into my YouTube videos helped because it was something that I would look forward to, number one. And also it got me focused on a task. Like I knew I couldn't just sit down and watch TV. Like I had to do something. I had to be productive. So that actually really helped for me. And one reason why I got into YouTube during college was because most of my friends moved away for college. So I was kind of left by myself. So I'm like, I'm bored too much. You know, my mind is just going to race. So let me, let me do something productive. So that's what I did.
1: Talk a little bit more about the panic attacks that you were having. What was your experience of a panic attack? Cause it's different for everybody.
0: Yeah. Um, I think it kind of comes in waves. The first thing I'll notice is my heart, is just beating out of its chest. You feel like there's an elephant sitting on you, basically. And then for me, my body kind of just goes numb um, to the point where I my hands kind of spaz out and I can't really move them. Um, and then <laughs> once this moment starts, I know that it's, it's happening. Like I can't stop it. Once I start crying, is that's it. It started. You just have to deal with the panic attack and then move on.
1: So you start crying. How long do you typically find yourself kind of in that, in that place?
0: It really depends. Sometimes it can last um, about five minutes, other times half an hour. It really depends on the situation. Yeah. Are
1: there other ways that anxiety shows up for you um, other than panic attacks?
0: I mean, it's always there. I'm always having that like gut feeling. That's like a 24 seven constant thing. Um, But the panic attacks are really the only thing that Really gets to me. Um, I mean, it translates into me sometimes snapping at people. Like I'll just get really irritable. um, But that's mainly just because I can't really control what is going on in my head at that moment.
1: How does the depression play into this for you?
0: So, that I think has been more of a recent um, thing for me. Getting out of bed is a struggle sometimes. um, And also for me, focusing on my daily tasks is a thing and i have a lot of daily tasks so that gets in the way um but i think that's like the main thing also this is still a learning experience for me like i'm still learning about this um one thing i came to terms with is that it gets in the way of me really appreciating the awesome stuff that happens to me in my life especially professionally like i'll hit some cool milestone and for anyone else they would be like ecstatic and i'm just like whatever like so obviously that's not like a thing that usually happens so
1: it's not like you're playing it cool right
0: exactly yeah I'm not trying to play it cool or anything it's just not affecting me
1: because you've hit some pretty amazing milestones in your in your journey right
0: yeah it's it's been crazy honestly
1: I looked this morning 730,000 subscribers on YouTube
0: yeah it's crazy I don't even know how that happened honestly
1: (laughs) (laughs) You've been to some dark places in your depression, you know. If you are willing, I would love to kind of go into that dark place and talk about what that's what that's like for you.
0: About two years ago, it was probably the darkest place I've ever been to, and in part it was because of a new anxiety medicine I got put on. And from what I've learned, is the medicine can either really help you or it can totally destroy you. And in this case, it completely destroyed me, and this still sticks with me. I remember my mom at one point. Even told me, she's like, I don't even recognize you. Like, this is not my daughter. So, um, yeah, at that point, I literally stayed in bed probably 20 hours. Like, at a time, watched TV or just laid there in silence. Um, I was getting no work done. I would leave the house only when I absolutely had to. But um, I was having really big trouble leaving the house. Like, even outside, go outside to get the mail. I was, I couldn't do that. Like that was too overwhelming for me. Um, and then also in that time, OCD, like really started creeping in, um, which I found out is an anxiety thing. I didn't even know anything about it, um, until like my therapist explained it to me. Um, so yeah, then I started like developing really weird OCD things that I never had. Like, I had a thing with numbers. All of a sudden I had to like turn all the numbers on like an even number in my car or something.
1: Could you already drive in like second, fourth and fourth gear as well?
0: Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and then, um, <laughs> I don't know. I just had to have certain things in a certain way. I started like doing this weird nose twitch. Like I don't even know what was happening at that point. Like my body was just confused, but eventually I started seeing the light. And that's why I always tell people, I'm like, no matter how long it is that you're in this dark place, you will see the light. So I started leaving the house. Like my dad would be like, Hey, let's just walk down the block. We will come right back. So I started doing that. I'm like, you know what? It's these little things. You just got to do it. It sounds so stupid. Just walk down the block. But that was a big thing when you couldn't leave your house for like a week straight. Yeah. I just kind of had to filled myself up for it. And we realized it was the medicine that was really making things worse. So I stopped taking that obviously. And then eventually I started feeling a little bit more like myself. I started playing the drums again, started seeing some friends. I think it probably took me like a year and a half to really start feeling like myself. It took a while, but day in the life, you just have (laughs) to, uh, that's how I always like to explain it as as bad as it can be. You know, it gets better.
1: How long did it take you to get off the anxiety medication? usually you can't just stop cold turkey. right?
0: Yeah, that was the worst thing. Cause we knew it was the issue and I still had to like wean myself off of it. Um, I think I had to stay on it for like a month after that. It wasn't too bad, but you know, every time you're swallowing that pill, you're like, this thing is killing me and I still have to take it. Yeah. It's a weird feeling. It was a really weird feeling. I wish I remembered the name of that one. Cause I don't, maybe my parents do. Cause that was a bad one. I'm never going on that.
1: It almost feels like that's good for the drug companies that no one can ever remember what the the (laughs) tablets are called. So like, (laughs) you can't tell me what's really bad. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. (laughs) When you're in that sort of deep, dark depression, like what's the narrative that's running through your head? Like, what are you telling yourself?
0: Like, why am I here? I think that was just like the biggest thing. Like, this is too painful. Why do I need to go through this right now? Um, it's just like, just really dark thoughts. Um, honestly, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, and logically, obviously, you know, your brain is just trying to dull the pain. So it's kind of just like, yeah, don't be here, you know, stuff like that, um, which is not normal. Like that shouldn't be what's going in your head. But the the thing that gets me out of it, of those thoughts all the time is actually realizing how many people depend on me, whether it's fans family, friends. I'm just like, I cannot just disappear. Like that's, it'll affect way too many people. I'm like, you know what? I'd rather just be miserable. One person being miserable over however many would be miserable if I just disappeared. So I could be miserable for a little bit and I know it'll get better because it has in the past. So I'm just like, it will get better again.
1: The experience of anxiety is so different for everyone. At times, Christina experiences anxiety as something that stops her wanting to go out. We have Abby, a Shih Tzu, to thank for getting teenage Christina to go to school and eventually graduate. Another way Christina experiences anxiety is a panic attack. Panic attacks are serious business, leaving sufferers often figuratively paralyzed. The best cure for a panic attack is to catch it before it completely takes hold. In Christina's case, they start in her heart and with pressure on her chest. She needs to be quick to put her panic attack game plan into action before the tears start. Otherwise, it's just a case of writing it out. Like many people with a mental illness, Christina deals with more than one condition, in her case, depression with her anxiety. On the surface, Christina has achieved a lot for a 23-year-old. A quarter of a million fans, millions of people who watch her performances, she's the owner of her own business, and she's invited to make public appearances. And yet... With the depression, she can't feel the excitement of those achievements. So if you need any proof that no amount of fame or adoration can insulate you from mental illness, this is it. Everyone has to learn how to manage their particular version of anxiety and depression. I wanted to hear more from Christina about her management approach. And I was curious how depression plays out when thousands upon thousands of people depend on you. Did you go to a doctor and get diagnosed? How did that happen?
0: I ended up going to therapy for the first time when I was 13, and then I got prescribed anxiety, depression medicine, stayed on that for a while, um, and that seemed to help. And then, you know, once you start feeling better, you're like, okay, I don't need this anymore. <laughs> and you kind, of, you kind of stop going to therapy, and you also just stop taking the medicine. And ever since then, I've kind of just been going through a cycle of that. Like I go for the help, I stop, go back, stop. So that's kind of where we are.
1: Got it. Where are we in the cycle right now?
0: I actually just restarted the cycle a couple cool. of weeks ago. So, yeah.
1: Good. So, this, this was well-timed in some ways. You were kind of primed to…
0: To talk about it, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And then on the depression side, um, you said that's relatively new. Is there a medication that you're taking there, something you're, you're using?
0: I mean, right now, I, yeah, I went back on anxiety depression medicine. Um, right now, I'm on Lexapro. So, we're going to give that a try for a little bit.
1: Okay. What else yeah. have you tried?
0: I honestly don't remember the names. This is like my fourth type of medicine that I'm on. So, and they all have really weird names. So, I don't remember them. Um, but you I was what?
1: Nobody on- does.
0: Yeah. I'm I do. Introduced-
1: I do this all the time. And people are like, yeah, I'm taking like so and so right now. And then, like, was it Clonopin or like whatever? And so, not alone. Yeah.
0: yeah for real. It's, it's hard to keep track. So, I was actually on this for a while, um, maybe a year ago, and it worked. So, I'm like, you know what? Let me, let me get back on it.
1: Yeah. What are the side effects that you've experienced?
0: Not too many right now. I mean, I did just start it a week and a half ago, so it hasn't really kicked in. But the main thing I'm noticing right now is just like a super dry mouth, like okay. super dry mouth um, and the occasional headache. But it's not too bad.
1: That's not too bad. Um, yeah. I was to somebody, yeah. I was talking to somebody who had, they described them as brain zaps, like they'll get this like suddenly it felt like an electrical discharge in their brain. No, thank you. Yeah, exactly, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't sound pleasant.
1: You've used a few different therapists, Mm -hmm. it sounds like. question people often ask is like, how do you find the right therapist? What's been your experience of that?
0: Yeah, I'm on my third. I think that's also trial and error. And you get to kind of see who you trust because obviously you're talking about very personal things. You're vulnerable. um, So if you can't trust your therapist, nothing's gonna work. So the first one I had was horrible. All I was thirteen, and all she kept asking me because she thought this was my issue was, "Do I have friends?" And I'm like, "Yes, I have friends." <laughs> like, and that was literally the only thing she would ask me over and over again. I'm like, "I'm not hiding anything. I have friends. I'm thank you. That's not my issue."
1: Do I need to bring them in with me with that? Yeah.
0: Help? Should yeah. I bring them next time um, <laughs> to prove to you? <laughs> um, and then my second one, I loved her vibe. Her, I think the office space is also um, very important. You have to feel comfortable there. So I loved her office space. I describe her as kind of like a hippie. Like she has takes off her shoes, her feet are on the couch, like she's very laid back. Um, and I really vibed with her. But unfortunately, she wasn't covered by insurance. So after a while, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should try to find someone a little bit cheaper that's covered by insurance. I left this amazing one, went to a cheaper one, hated her, and now I'm back to the expensive one. I'm like, you know what? It's worth it. It's whatever.
1: It's such a problem in this country that like it can be really hard to get care. I mean, you have insurance, which is good. Lots of people don't have insurance, right? But even though you have insurance, like the person that you want to work with isn't in your network. And that's really rough. I mean, I hear that coming up a lot for people.
0: Yeah, like I was talking to my parents when I was telling them I want to come back, uh, go back to therapy. And they were just like, oh, maybe you should go to, you know, that newest one, which was covered by insurance. I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to bother. I'm not going to waste my time. It's just money. This is, you know, for my future. It's for my well-being. Let's just do this because I really like this lady. So,
1: I think that's the important thing. Like you can't, you can't do anything unless you have your mental health. Exactly. If you were in a position where you were having panic attacks like every single day, you wouldn't be able to function.
0: Yeah. And I've been there before. Right? Like I've, I've hit those cycles. So I know how bad it can get and I know how dark the situation can be. So I'm just trying to not ever get back to that place.
1: So you've used therapy. Um, you've used medication to help you manage um, your anxiety and depression. What else have you tried? And I guess I should say you've used music too.
0: Definitely music. Music was a big thing. And since I'm a drummer, um, I think getting my energy out by, excuse my language, beating the crap out of the drums really helped. Um, But other than that, a big thing I do is I go for really long walks, like three to four miles a day. I try to do that every day if possible. And that kind of serves as like my meditation time. I've tried traditional meditation, but I just, I couldn't focus. Like, that takes training to really meditate. And I couldn't do that. So I do my walks, I work out. Like right now, I'm trying new techniques, which I don't even know if I can explain because I'm still trying to learn them. This one hasn't worked as well, but it works sometimes. It's called the five senses. Personally, it hasn't worked that much for me. But that's one thing that I've tried. Um, and now we're just trying to explore some other options, but it's kind of all like trial and error. If something works, you stick with it. If it doesn't move on to another technique.
1: It seems like a weird question, but how do you know if it's working?
0: I would know if it works, if I'm able to stop the panic attack.
1: Okay. So for yeah. you, it's very, not like I don't want to say kind of transactional, but it's like, I'm having a panic attack. If the thing works, then. Yeah. Yeah. Because
0: stops. I could always feel the panic attack building up. So like I said, crying is like the last straw, and that's when it starts. If I can stop it before the crying starts, that means I was able to not have the panic attack.
1: Your depression—how does that show up for you? Uh,
0: I think for me, it affects my work the most because so most of my, majority of my job is I'm in front of a camera. Um, So my face is shown, my voice can be heard, um, and my fans know me very well. So if I seem a little bit off, if I'm having a bad day, they will call me out on it and they'll be like, are you okay? Or something like that. So yeah, they they know. Or when I'm really not feeling into it, I will just stop posting on my social media, which I'm usually very active on because it's my job. So they also know something's up. So it's, you know, I'm not even dealing it just by myself. I'm dealing it in the public eye, which is difficult at times. So, yeah, I think the depression affects me in those ways because it's very noticeable because I can't do my job.
1: How does that help or hinder having, you know, thousands of people who are like, hey, you okay?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, it's very overwhelming. Okay. It's it's nice because, you know, they genuinely care about you. Um, like you have so much love coming your way. But also I feel a constant responsibility that no matter what I'm feeling, I need to put this video out or I need to put this tweet out or whatever nonsense, because these people are counting on me. Like they're used to seeing my life and my job and all this. So it definitely, it's, it's overwhelming, but also in a sense, it, it gives me like a responsibility. Like I know I can't just disappear or anything. Um, I can't just be like, oh, guys, I'm done. Like, I'm not going to bother. So they're kind of holding me accountable to come back when I feel good and get right back into the swing of things. So I think overall they've helped me throughout this whole process.
1: So if you could ask your fans, they notice that, you know, you've gone quiet or like you don't look quite right in a video, what would you ask them to do?
0: I would ask them just to be patient with me. I think a lot of... People see my social media and they think I'm like the happiest person ever. I have no problems. I'm living the dream, which in a sense, like I could see how they are seeing my life as that way. Cause obviously I'm not posting when I'm stuck in bed or, you know, something like that. But I would just tell them, be patient. I will always come back. I just need a break. Like I've taken breaks before I've taken a week off three weeks off because sometimes you just need to just step back and be like, okay, you know what? I love you guys, but also I can't do this right now. So I think it's healthy to take a step back, but I would just tell them, be patient. I'm always going to come back. Um, It has nothing to do with them. Like I'm not giving up on my dreams or anything. It's just, I needed a minute, you know?
1: Historically, you know, when a celebrity has, been dealing with you know depression or something like that like take someone like you know robin williams for example right Mm -hmm. you see in the public eye and he's zany and funny etc but there are obviously times in his life where he's had some pretty rough times with that kind of celebrity like you can disappear it's what's so interesting about what you deal with is like i guess you do disappear but like the expectations on you seem so high
0: I think it's just because I am so accessible to everyone. They can reach me through YouTube comments, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, my email. Um, So I think they just know that, hey, oh, she hasn't uploaded a video in a little bit. Let me just spam her with all of these comments. Um, So it's, yeah, there's no hiding. There really is. I, I mean, I could ignore their comments, but I don't do that. So I just constantly am reading all of these like, hey, where have you been? Are you okay? And blah, blah, blah. It's going to be okay. Um, so yeah, there's definitely no hiding.
1: How else does your anxiety and depression show up in, in the work that you do?
0: A couple months ago, or maybe at this point, it's been a year. I had to fly to Canada for an appearance and I got myself to the airport, got myself to the gate and I could not get on that plane. I just broke down in the bathroom, full on panic attack. I left contacted the agent. I'm just like, I can't, I cannot. I'm like, I'm going to be upfront with you guys. I'm literally dying. Like I, I just can't do it right now. So that was probably the biggest way it ever impacted me because I missed an entire event. I don't like being seen as unprofessional and I don't like disappointing like people especially when it comes to my job. So that that stuck with me for a while actually because I'm just like, oh, this can never happen ever again. So I think that's the main thing, but in general on a regular basis, yeah, it affects me because I can't film drum videos, I can't do something for a client. So that that takes a toll on my business because obviously to be successful I have to keep posting videos and if I can't for a week or two because I'm just not in the best place, um that affects me.
1: One of the darker sides of the internet is bullying. So when you disappear, sounds like you get messages of support, like hey how you doing? Where are you? I'm guessing maybe you get some less supportive messages?
0: In general, I get a lot of hate. That's just comes with the territory. Um I've learned to build a really thick skin. Um most of the time I laugh it off because sometimes the the comments just don't even make sense. And I'm just like, you could have at least used your brain a little bit for this comment. (laughs) 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 So, um, what I do actually as a response sometimes is I'll respond back to them, to the haters in a really sarcastic, but positive way just to mess with them. Because I'm like, you know what? This is my channel. If you want to attack me, I'm not attacking you back, but I'm going to show you that I really don't care what you're saying. Um, So it definitely, it doesn't affect me the way that it probably affects other people. But then again, if I got the comments I got, like the types of comments I get now, if I got those maybe four years ago, that'd be a whole different ballgame. Like I was not as tough a couple of years ago, but now I've just learned it, you know?
1: What's changed? How did you learn that?
0: I don't know. I think just being in that environment over time you just get used to it. It's really strange like you get used to and you expect people to even give you hate for something and thousand to one ratio of positive comments um, you know that always helps. I'm just like okay, I've read so many other amazing comments. I'm not going to let this one comment ruin my day.
1: When that stuff comes up, how does that interact with the anxiety and depression?
0: You see, if I'm in a great mood, it really doesn't bother me. But if I'm already fragile in that moment, it'll get to me a little bit. But the way I kind of get past that is if they're commenting on my playing, which whatever, totally do, that's fine. Or fans will jump in and they'll comment back to the people. And I'm like, that just made my day. I'm like, thanks, guys. (laughs) Like, I have a team behind me. So even when I am in a fragile state, I really don't let it get to me.
1: If there's a takeaway to this section, it's this, your mental health is critical to everything else that you do. Think about Christina's decision about which therapist to see. She could choose between a therapist she didn't connect with, who was covered by insurance and hence inexpensive, or she could pay out of pocket to see someone she connected well with and someone who helps her feel better. If you think about it, when you're picking a medical doctor, it's nice if they're friendly and make you feel comfortable. But it doesn't matter that much if they're gruff and rude, if they're getting their diagnoses and treatments right. But that's not a trade-off you can make with a therapist or psychologist. To do good work with a therapist, you need to be emotionally safe to lift the lid on some pretty difficult feelings. Fortunately, Christina is far enough on her journey that she knows paying out of pocket for the right therapist is worth the cost. After all, if her anxiety and depression take over, she can't work. And if she can't work, she doesn't get paid. We all have demands in our lives, the expectations of family, friends, co-workers, expectations of the boss. With such a big following, Christina has a level of expectation that most of us don't experience. She has an intimate relationship with hundreds of thousands of people through her videos, Instagram, Twitter, and the other places she's active. That intimate relationship has two sides. When some idiot is giving her a hard time in the comments on a video, her fans step in to defend her, and she takes comfort and draws strength from their support. On the other hand, when her anxiety or depression have flared up and she needs to take a break, the messages of support can be overwhelming. We don't all have such an army of fans, but we do need people we can count on to care about us when we're down. And we need people who we care enough about that we want to get and stay well. It's obvious when you speak to Christina how much she cares about her fans, those people who've made her successful. So I wonder what words of advice she had for fans who are experiencing similar struggles. What would you say to one of your fans who is experiencing anxiety and depression?
0: I actually get a lot of messages from people saying that they are, um, especially after I came out in one of my Q&A videos saying that I go through the same thing. And what I always tell them is no matter how lost they feel in this moment, no matter how dark Their situation is as corny as it sounds, it does always get better because I personally have been to the darkest of darkest places. And here I am, still here, still doing what I love. So I always tell them, like, you just need to keep fighting. I'm like, get out of bed right now, step outside your door, just get some fresh air. And that's a win. Right there is a win. So you have to celebrate the little milestones, even if it seems ridiculous. But that's what I always try to promote. Like, I, for instance, have a tattoo on my wrist. I don't know if you could see it. It says, it (laughs) it says NBD. So it stands for no big deal. And that's kind of my anchor to my anxiety. So whenever I'm in a situation, I'm just like, hey, this is no big deal right now. I can handle this. So I kind of always tell them the same thing. It's interesting because they'll even tweet me randomly. If I tweet something kind of sad, they're just like, hey, no big deal. I was like, I love you guys. (laughs) So I always try to tell them that it really is going to be okay. And that I'm with them, like dealing with it too. So don't worry.
1: I think you put out a tweet that says you'll get through it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like four days ago or something like that.
0: Yeah. I always try to do little motivational things, especially in the morning because that's when I, like most of the time the, the tweets are for me too. Like I need a little bit of a push. So I'm just like, let me tweet this out, help a couple of people and also myself. So yeah, I like my Twitter has become like a motivational, like there's <laughs> <laughs> a motivational platform.
1: It's, it's going to be your fifth you know, your fifth business, right?
0: Yeah, I'll just be a motivational speaker. There you
1: go. <laughs> so this podcast is called Silent Superheroes, and I do have a belief that for some people with mental illness, there's kind of a superpower that comes with it. So I'm wondering for you, what, if anything, is your superpower that comes from your anxiety and depression?
0: I pride myself on being relatable to the masses. Um, so I think that would be my superhero, my power. I can relate to... The hundreds of thousands of fans that I have that I know for sure experience anxiety, experience depression, like it's so common. So I think the fact that they see me, who is a person dealing with all these struggles, still living my dream and still being productive and living a life, um, even with all those struggles, I think the fact that they're seeing me do it, they get some confidence that they could do it themselves. And one thing I actually didn't mention before is. A year and a half ago, I got diagnosed with celiac disease. That kind of um, made everything worse because it's just another thing to worry about. It's another thing to focus on. Um, So I think I just like being very open with all my struggles just because I want people to know it's not all butterflies and rainbows. People go through stuff, but you could still live a happy life. Like You could still do it. So I think my power is really just motivating everyone to still do what they love no matter what struggles they're facing
1: that's that word motivation again motivational speaker it's in your (laughs) future
0: it might be a thing for real yeah
1: (laughs) just a side on the celiac disease um, so my dad is a celiac my dad's been a celiac since I was a kid like in the 70s or 70s maybe early 80s let me assure you that as a celiac right now your dietary options are so much better than my dad's
0: I believe it. Yeah.
1: So you, you used to be able to get bread on the uh, National Health Service in the UK, which is where I'm from.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so like you would like literally go to the doctors and you would pick up these like, you know, packets of bread like that.
0: Oh my God.
1: And like, it was as if someone had packed sand together. <laughs> <laughs> and then like once in a while, my mum would forget um, to like buy bread and then like I would you know, I'd open up my my pack lunch, uh, you know, at school, and there would be a gluten free like ham sandwich Sand or something. Paper. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> not today, please. <laughs> but uh, I guess I should say hi hi to my dad because he listens to all of these. God bless yeah,
0: him. Shout out to you, Dad.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to throw a little hypothetical at you. So if you could mm-hmm. go back in time and sort of take away the anxiety and depression, would you do it?
0: One thousand percent, I would. You know, I, honestly, the depression I could keep, that I could handle. The anxiety part, I would do whatever. I will give you my left pinky, like, just, just get rid of it. Because there, especially with my job, like, there's just so many demanding things that I would have to do travel-wise or whatever. Um, and it really does take its toll. It's exhausting, you know?
1: What if the anxiety and depression is what's got you where you are?
0: In a way, I know it has, because if I didn't have anxiety, I probably would have went away to college. And if I went away to college, I would have never started really posting videos. So I'd be living a totally different life. So the fact that I do have anxiety is, you know, it brought me here. You know, sometimes I'm like, yeah, thank you, anxiety. Like, (laughs) I'm here. But also, you know, the hell that comes with it, I'd be like, okay, maybe we could just cut the cord at this point you know
1: if you could go back in time to 13 year old christina you could whisper something in your ear give yourself a message what would it be
0: oh i like that one um i think i would tell myself that hey you're going to go through some pretty dark times but you really are going to come out so far on top like bigger than you ever could have imagined like it gets so much better.
1: Anything else that you want to sort of say to you know people who are suffering with anxiety and depression, or any topics that we should have covered?
0: I know that especially on this topic, anxiety and depression. I think it is getting talked about more. Um, like I think it's the most common thing that people are talking about at this point. But people are still. Scared to open up and that was even me like when I said yes to this podcast. I'm like um, Am I ready to talk about this stuff? Like I didn't even know Um, and I think also along the lines of going to therapy a lot of people Don't want to admit that they need help and um, They think that they'll get judged or be seen as having a real issue or something Um, but I think honestly, the strength that it takes to go to therapy is huge. And if you need it, just go do it. Like personally me, I've put it off as much as possible because I didn't want to be that person that goes to therapy. I didn't want to be that person. Um, But it is so necessary and it's going to help you in the long run. Um, So just don't be, don't be scared. Like there's no shame. Everyone's going through issues. Um, And the longer you try to, Brush it under the rug, the bigger and the worse it's just gonna get for you. um so just just don't fight it. accept your struggles, work on them, and you'll start enjoying your life like you should be.
1: What stigma exists around mental illness, particularly anxiety and depression?
0: I think the depression part hits people more, at least in my family, it has because when my therapist first said, she has, she suffers from depression. My mom specifically was like, no, she's a happy kid. And I'm like, that's not really what it, you know, that's not what it means. Um, so I think, I think when people think of someone being depressed, they see them as moping around and being lazy and just not a fun time to be around, but there's so much more that goes into it. Some people experience it as in they can't leave their bed. Other people can't focus on a task. Um, Some people will snap at you for no reason. They're not trying to be mean. They can't help it Um, It just really hits people in different ways. Like for me, it's a big part of it is not getting excited about things that should excite me Um, anxiety wise is You don't need to tiptoe around people who are experiencing anxiety like they're not gonna break. They're not made of glass They're fine. They have dealt with these issues before getting through a panic attack. One thing I always tell people is don't tell me to stay calm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like telling a depressed person to cheer up, right? Yeah. Like,
0: please do not tell me to breathe or stay calm because I already know and that's not going to help me. (laughs) So I I think you have to just be understanding um, and realize that, if they do lash out at you, which is gonna happen 100% of the time, um, they're not, they don't mean it. Like, that's one thing I explained to my friends. I'm like, I didn't mean that like at all. I had, don't take that in the way that I said it, you know? So I think that people just need to be patient with people struggling. Everyone's struggling with something um, in a different way, they experience it in a different way. One thing I actually spoke about recently to a few people is in terms of anxiety like the way that it keeps coming cuz in my case I get it for no reason like a panic attack can happen for absolutely no reason I'll be doing nothing and it happens um so for me it's interesting because it, my brain I, I'm telling myself this is not a normal way to you know process information and I know it's not a normal way but it's still happening so I think people need to realize like you could still be so aware that it's not a logical way that you're thinking, but it will still happen. Um, And that's why you need to reach out for help sometimes to just break that cycle and break that pattern in your brain.
1: Christina, anything else that that you want to say to wrap us up?
0: I want to give you props for having this podcast because it's not getting talked about enough. Like for real, people are scared to talk about it, including me. Um, So thank you for asking me and, bringing me out of my comfort zone to really open up. I, like, I hope this episode helps people. I really do.
1: Awesome. Thank you. And thank you for uh, drumming my favorite song and making me cry. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Christina, thank you.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So that's Christina's story, a professional drummer and YouTube celebrity managing anxiety and depression. Social media has pushed us into a world where Our lives are public and available for everyone to see. And as a result, our outward persona is sometimes carefully curated. When I found Christina on YouTube, I naturally wondered how much of what I was seeing was the real Christina and how much of it was an act or a persona. When we sat down to record this episode, we got to chat for about an hour. She said during the chat that her superpower was being relatable. And she's spot on. I felt like I'd known her for years. Nothing she said felt like it was spun or garnished. And when she spoke about her fans, I felt genuine care and gratitude. What I saw in her videos was exactly what I experienced in our conversation. At one point, she joked that she had no idea how she built such a big following. But after talking to her, I think I do. She's genuine. She's real. She's not trying to be perfect. She's just trying to be herself. In a world of fakery, in a world of masks, People are drawn to authenticity. We all spend a lot of time on our masks, trying to cover what's really going on and who we really are. One thing to learn from Christina is that there's a great deal of power in choosing not to wear a mask. You connect more deeply with people so that when you're not in your best emotional state, they notice how you're doing and they ask how you are. We're a tribal species. We need each other, really do. So to wrap this episode up, why not choose to take off your mask for a day? and meet some people you already know, and maybe you'll deepen your connection and be able to be there for each other in a new way. If you like what you've heard in today's episode, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. If you want notifications as new episodes are released, you can sign up for our newsletter at www.silentsuperheroes.com, or you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash silentsuperheroes.
2: Take your mental health seriously. If you need to speak to someone, you can call 1 800 273 8255 or text crisistextline.org at 741 741. Both provide 24 7 confidential counseling to people in the United States. Worldwide, visit iasp.info/slash resources. Slash crisis underscore centers slash to help others find the silent superheroes podcast please leave a review on itunes or your favorite podcasting service